Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale July 20th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. And happy Comic-Con week, everyone Ooh. far and wide. We did it, y'all. We did it. We made it. Oh, man. If you need info, go to marvel.com slash SDCC to get all the details. And of course, it wouldn't be a big Comic-Con week without some big comics. I feel like this is what like sports fans like feel when like their teams go to like, what do what they call like the World Series? That's, that's one of the events. Yep. The other ones yep. that are probably... Trademark Legally, and I can't say anyway. Shouldn't even say them. Yeah, the big game. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. You save up, you get ready, you have fun, you, you tailgate, you go party, you do whatever you need to do. You dress up in all of your favorite players or characters' mm-hmm. outfits. Yep. Great. Yeah, all good things. Um, how are you, Jess? I'm doing great. Finally got my AC fixed, so nice. I can finally tolerate being inside my apartment. Again, which is nice. And I spent a weekend in up north Wisconsin, which is my first up north. Like, I don't, you're not from the Midwest, Ryan, but I don't know how familiar you are with like the Wisconsin up north. Like, that means nothing to me. I went to a batch party this past weekend where I spent the weekend with a group of friends in a cabin up north. Um, It took like five hours to get there, uh, but it was worth it because we got. When I got into the cabin, I had this uh, gorge, like literally the lake was just, it was a private lake that like was shared through the community there, but like just gorgeous. It was right in our backyard. I got to wake up to that for two whole days. It was great. That sounds pretty wonderful. It was great. I'm glad to hear it. Excellent, excellent, excellent all around. But we are not here to talk about lakes or Comic-Con. We are here to talk about all the brand new Marvel comics out this week. Uh, We're going to run you through our three picks of the week, then give out an award. That award will go to all the brand new Marvel comics out this week. We'll tell you what's hitting Marvel Unlimited, the digital service, including the vertical scrolling comics, the Infinity comics, going to get into some collections on sale this week and plus of course as we always do we have a reading club and what are we talking about this week jasmine we are talking to torin grumbeck about the mighty thor thunder in her veins I'm so excited that was so loud <laughs> <laughs> that was my marvel legends mjolnir it was great. Yeah, very cool. Torn is friggin' great. We we adore her and the comics are okay. great. We're going to get into that a bit later, but let's dive into... We have almost 20 comics this week, so we got a lot Sorry. to talk about. So let's start off with our picks of the week. And I'm going to kick us off with Axe Judgment Day, number one. Axe, of course, is Avengers, X-Men, Eternals. And this is the big summer blockbuster crossover. We had a sort of prelude issue last week with Axe Eve of Judgment, which sets the stage for things. And things just take off and just everything is burning down immediately in this series. Uh, It is written by Kieran Gillen, art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Hell of an issue. Holy moly. There are a lot of characters in this because... You've got the Avengers, you've got the X-Men, you've got Eternals, and you've got some forces outside of that, which make their way into things. Um, if you have been reading X-Men comics, you'll be very familiar with some of the the names and the sort of things going on. If you have not been reading any of these books, whether it's Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, everything is really like laid out for you. There's a very simple premise to this. The Eternals are sort of the protectors of Earth. Their role is to do away with excess deviation. And so that's why we have the Deviants and the Eternals. And so when the Deviants become too much, they sort of call that a bit. Uh, And it is seen by the Eternals that mutants are Deviants and what they are doing with uh, everything that they've been doing with skirting around mortality, coming back from the dead, building nations, basically uh, turning Mars into a Rocco and, and, and everything that the mutants have been doing over the last little while, that is excessive. So the Eternals are saying, we've got to take care of excessive deviation. Mm-hmm. Boom. Their motivation is very clear. It's right there. The X-Men are just living their best damn lives. The Avengers, the Avengers live inside a celestial. The celestials are the gods of the Eternals. So 
the Avengers are living inside a dead body of the Eternals God. There's a lot happening. There's a lot. But it's it's all it's all very clearly spelled out for you. If you want to just jump into this without having to have read anything beforehand, it really does roll right in. You get things happening. When I say things happen, holy moly. Uh, I mean, the book opens up with an interrogation scene yeah, between Cersei and Iron Man. And it's just like, oh, we're starting. We're going right in. Yeah, it's the the Avengers take the fight to the Eternals because they know something is up. We get to see the X-Men. We know that the X-Men sense something very bad is, is like about to happen. And the Eternals have kidnapped a, a mutant. So war feels like it's coming. And the prime Eternal, who is Druig of the Eternals, he unleashes two of the Eternals most dangerous and terrifying weapons. I will not say what they are, but the havoc that one of them wrecks in this issue stunned me. Stunned uh, yes. me. Yes. I love that this is finally here. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have my first pick of the week, which is Knights of X number four. Um, it's written by Teeny Howard with art by Bob Quinn and colors by Eric Arseniega with letters by the queen, BC's Ariana Mayer. Like, I think she's just been killing it lately. Yeah. Last issue, we had a huge reveal. Quick spoiler warning, Jasmine's going to talk about events that happen in Knights of X number three. If you have not read it, if you're not caught up, if you read on MU or if you don't want to be spoiled because it's kind of pivotal to what we're talking about, skip ahead a bunch. Like, you know, use that skip button maybe three or four or five times. Gambit died in the last issue. I know we were just talking about the X-Men being immortal and the mutants being immortal, but since he died in Otherworld, um, we know that from previous issues uh, of X-Men that it's not that easy to return. Like it may not be possible. It might be a different version. Like it's a, it's a, an amalgam of the multiversal versions of that person that comes back. Um, so we're not sure what's going to happen with Gambit, but they're in the middle of a war. The Knights of X are in the middle of a war, so they can't just stop. And like, I mean, there's even a scene here where they're like, I can't believe this happened, but we get mentioned that like, you know, like rogue wouldn't want us to sit here and mourn the loss of this person. Like we need to continue this fight and win and that's what happens we get the team who are traveling to mercantor uh where the siege perilous has become the actual land itself mm. um and immediately we get all these alternate like reality scenes where these characters are each presented with like their worst nightmare um and they have to deal with it and we learn a lot about some of these characters um including one that i, I wasn't expecting to care i guess so much about after this issue which was bay of the blood moon which i for the first time i think we get a little bit of a peek behind like that giant wall that she's built up for herself mm -hmm. um so we get to tap in into her emotions there which i thought was fascinating but there's one moment in this book that made me so giddy and so happy and i immediately took a screenshot of it uh it is i i need it framed i need the original art i need all of it i love it i am here for it um, and it's been a long time coming for any Excalibur fan. Thank you, Teeny. Thank you, Eric. And thank you, Bob. And Ariana Mayer. Because this is this is all I wanted. I'm so happy. They did it. They did it. They oh. did it. Gonna... But then that immediately makes me feel like, uh-oh. Yep. Like, we just got the good thing. Like, oh, no. You wanted something nice? Enjoy it for now. Yeah. I mean, uh -huh. to be fair... We've got that bit of joy while everything else is happening in Axe. So who knows? That is true. Maybe, is maybe true. we've already gotten the, the balance of the scales this week. We'll see. Um, hope so. Much more to talk about, I'm sure, when we get into the next issues of these books. Uh, all right. Rounding out our picks of the week is Defenders Beyond number one. This is uh, storytellers for this are Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is like my platonic ideal for what a comic book to me should be. It is bizarre. It is beautiful. It has got uh, an incredible cast of characters uh, starring on this Defender Squad, which we meet throughout the issue, are Blue Marvel, Anna Brashear, who's mm -hmm. every time Al writes him, I'm like, this is just more the best. I if love Blue Marvel. Yeah. If you've not read Ultimates that Al wrote where uh, Blue Marvel was on there, that's a tremendous book. Um, yeah, and 
America Chavez was also in that book. Yeah. She's on this team as well. And we get to see some of that relationship mm-hmm. continue here, which I, I was super excited to see. So great to see that. Uh, there's also a nice little nod to Al's Mighty Avengers run. There's like a note talking about so Luke good. Cage. And like I was, this little things Al put in there that like, if you don't know, you just read it. It's like, oh, cool. If you know, you're like, man, he's there's just so much packed into this that it rewards uh, long-term readers, which is yes. beautiful. And um, we've got Taya, who is Galactus's mom, who was introduced in the previous Defender series, who is one of my favorite new characters because she's yes. just so like, she's ready to fight. She's ready to have relations. She's ready to uh, party. She's ready to talk. Like she's, there's just such joy and exuberance in this character. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so much fun. And then and she's Galactus's mama and Galactus's mama. Uh, we've got Tigra who shows up here. Yes. Um, my which, queen. Yeah. A favorite of, of Jasmine's, uh, a really interesting addition to the team. And then rounding it all out is Loki. And it is a very specific Loki. It's like a time displaced Loki that was around in again, previous Al Ewing story, Loki agent of Asgard stuff. So Al finds ways to bring in elements from his previous series without weighing it down at all. They're a non-team that Defenders is sort of always described as not a team. They're just sort of like a group that comes together. They're Defenders. They are the Defenders. And in the like cosmic parlance of things, they have a very specific role. And so we we see that role. It's explained and how they can factor into things and how it's really up to them, not the Avengers, not, you know, another superhero team to come together and fix things. You've got Eternity in here, which I know the world is buzzing about Eternity now, which makes Mm. us so happy. Makes me so pumped. Yeah. We got Eternity in here. We've got the mission statement, what they're here for, all this stuff. There's a secret member who, if you see the covers of the books... You, you'll get a sense of it, but I won't spoil it. Um, they're revealed towards the end, which is bonkers and wild. And I'm like, I don't know how, but I can't mm-hmm. wait to find out. Um, it's it's going to be really, really fun. On top of all that, Javier Rodriguez, probably my favorite living artist. Oh, absolutely. Just the things that Javi does. It's so immaculate and intricate. There's panel structures throughout here. Sometimes you get you know, 12 panels on a page. Sometimes you get three. Sometimes they're in different like shapes and orders. Sometimes they break barriers. There's all kinds of ways. He does some really interesting stuff with the form that allows you to like experience comics in, in ways that you don't always get to do. It's not like a very standard nine panel grid, which don't get me wrong. I love a good, you know, nine panel grid page, but here Javi does things in, in ways that benefit the story no matter what. It is just beautiful. It's fantastic. I love this book. Now it's time to talk about some of the new books. Before we do that, we got to talk about the award name. Um, last week was the, of course, Oscar Wilde was a Mutant Award, and that was from Immortal X-Men number four. Uh, shout out to Ed Randall, who I believe is the first time he submitted um, something which is awesome. I love seeing new people pop in. It's a fun game and I'm glad more people are playing. We also had some emails in here that weren't necessarily about the award, just some great emails from our listeners. First up is from Michael Eisenstein, who said, uh, hope this letter finds y'all well. I wanted to share a bit of fun that happened to me while listening to episode 222, the reading club section with Phil Noto on Daredevil, Love and War. First off, I have in recent years become a big Phil Noto fan. His covers and art for the Duggan run of Cable were, to quote Ryan, a ding-dang delight to read. I am also super excited for the variants run that just came out. What I really love about listening to this was the surprise to hear that Phil's first work for Marvel was an X-Men Unlimited cover with Snowbird and Phoenix. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, I have that issue. I got it at a bargain day at Heidi Ho Comics way before I was a fan of Phil. And as you'll see in the inside, it doesn't credit him with the cover art. In the same vein, I also purchased volume three of the Miller Jansen collection, only to be surprised with the Love and War graphic novel included in the collection. I share many of your thoughts on Love and War. When I was reading it, I just kept thinking how crazy bonkers amazing this team up of Miller and Sienkiewicz is. And I bought this graphic novel without even knowing what I had. 
Anyway, wanted to share this with both of you and repeat again how amazing these weekly episodes are, not only for the new polls, but for the deep and wonderful conversations you have with creators like Phil Noto and comic enthusiasts like Connor Goldsmith in the episode before this one. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank you. Michael. Uh, I love it. Also, that X-Men Unlimited, I don't think we were fully crediting cover artists regularly. Now I'm so happy because we credit... The regular cover artists, we credit the most of the variant cover artists, but then there are like exclusive variants that certain retailers have. Those don't always get credits because they're not widely available, but still progress, not perfection. Also, this is one of my favorite things when you go, oh, I think I've heard about that issue. And then you realize you have it and you got it way back when and just, yeah, that's the best feeling in the world where you're like, oh, I can't believe I have this. Yeah. And then there was another email, right? Yeah. We also got another email. Um, this one from Kevin. He asked, hey, my son got a copy of Venom Unleashed Volume 1 uh, by Donny Cates from 2019. Absolutely loved it. I've tried for years to find his comic, but nothing really stuck till this. Great news, right? Right up until I tried to find Volume 2. I thought it might be Venom Volume 2, but that seems to be the regular series, collecting issues 7 through 12 or something like that, where Venom Unleashed Volume 1 is a collection of random issues. The title made it seem easy same name volume two but no dice can you help me out is there a volume two what is the reading order and then in, in parentheses since the kids have quote no respect these days uh, <laughs> i'm sticking with tpb's trade paperbacks for them uh thanks for any help love the show it's great hearing from the creatives on the back issues okay first off there is no volume two to the series. That So that particular uh, trade collected the Web of Venom series, which is a series of one shots that kind of take place in tandem to the main Venom volume that was written by Donny Cates and uh, Ryan Stegman. There is no real order to read that in. You can kind of read it whenever. I would suggest reading it, reading it before Absolute Carnage. I would say read it like after volume two, kind of. Yeah, that you get right. a little bit more background on some things. There's... They they do those issues came out sort of like those web of venoms were coming out sporadically in between to give the main creative team a little breather between issues. So yeah, they they can fit in a lot of places, but I think that's a good suggestion. Yeah, reading it before at least absolute carnage um, in the third volume for sure. But I did send him along the, the full reading list. If you want that, I will drop it in our show notes for anyone else who's interested. But highly suggest getting into that full run from Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. But Ryan, are you ready for this week's award name? I sure am. All right. This week is the, oh no, am I having a team up award? Now, if you, dear listener, find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you are among the first, I will probably hit you back with an email or a tweet in your DMs or something. So, yeah get on it get on it get on it yeah that's the oh no am i having a team up award um that we'll be giving out this week all right let's start giving that out i will kick us off with alien annual number one um man this is this one is neat if you've been reading the alien comic that we've been doing for a while that um by philip kennedy johnson and salvador la roca this is like a prequel of sorts to the big uh initial story that kicked things off I'm going to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award to the synthetic being? It's a lot. This character is a lot and it it's narration and it's actions. I was riveted by it. All right. Next up, we have Avengers number 58. Um, and we're in the midst of, you know, this time displacement where the Avengers are traveling through different decades and meeting old Avengers of past. But I want to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award to, um, I didn't know I wanted an Echo and Namor team up, but there's so much history between these two characters that I didn't realize, or at least isn't very apparent. But we have Echo, who is the current host of the Phoenix. Um, we know that Namor wanted the Phoenix power, but before that we even had, like he was one of the carriers for the Phoenix in Avengers versus X-Men. And like, he's you know, he still wants it. He wants to know why he didn't get this power. And so like the sass that comes between them, the bickering that comes between those two when they have to like address it is awesome. I love it. It's delicious. Yeah. We've got Iron Man number 21 out this week. Tony has a kind of a bad day throughout this issue. I'm going to go, I'm going to give it my, 
oh no, am I having a team up award to Tony Stark flying commercial? Oh, poor Tony. Uh, there's a reason for it. It's not not necessarily yeah. an oh no thing, but uh, it got me. It's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty great. Next up, we have Maestro World War M number five. Uh, and we've talked about Doom a lot during the series, but I'm going to give my oh no, am I having a team up award to this version of Doom that we finally get? This is the issue where we get the Doom that we all know and love. Yeah, we've got the final issue of the Marvels out this week, issue number 12. My oh no, am I having a team up award for the Marvels goes to the tool that a character uses to sort of save the day. And I'm trying to avoid giving things away for anybody who's reading it, but uh, someone stops a big bad with something that is so ridiculous and terrific that I loved it. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 40. Um, And this continues Empire of the Spider. It's part three, um, where we have Miles in an alternate reality where his clone Selim is pretty much taken over um we finally get to see him rescuing prowler his uncle but i want to give my oh no am i having a team up award to this final page in this issue which is just so scary and sinister and it's like you know what's gonna happen but like the way that alberto Fochi like just draws the look on this character's face it's just, I'm so ready for the next issue. Yeah. All right. We've got Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number three out this week. Three rad stories. Got an Innocenti story in here. Um, some some cool things. I'm going to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award to the first story in here by Erica Schultz and David Lopez. David is another one of my favorites, favorites, favorites uh, to see David doing Marvel work. Again, makes me really happy. And this one is just a, Really uh, fun, high speed, mostly set inside a taxi cab story with your boy, Jake Lockley. Good old Jake Lockley. All right, next up, we have New Fantastic Four, issue number two. And this book, you can just see that Peter David is having the time of his life. He's just having so much fun with these characters. It's like you're just watching him play with the action figures and like come Hmm. up with these wild stories. Um, But I want to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award? to Ghost Rider's use of his chains and his like his weapons. Like we've seen him use it before, but like the way that it's used throughout this issue is so cool and so gnarly and very creative, especially one particular part, which is like, oh, hell yeah. Very much one of those moments. So I got to give it up to them. Yes, indeed. All right. Savage Spider-Man number five is out this week. This is another ending. This is the final issue of this, which um, ends the nonstop Spider-Man and Savage Spider-Man stories. I'm going to give my Ono, oh am I having a team up award to a conversation that Spider-Man has with a version of the Mad Thinker. And I like just the two of them going back and forth and, and talking things through. And particularly, there's a moment towards the end of their conversation where Spidey puts his hand on Mad Thinker's shoulder and the the way they sort of end it. I really dug mm-hmm. Next up, we have Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, number one, which is the new chapter from Jean Luen Yang's Shang-Chi run. Um, and we're finally getting the, the Ten Rings brought into the Marvel Universe, really, or at least this version of the Ten Rings. And I really like the way that this book starts. And I want to give my award, my, oh no, am I having a team-up award to Jean Luen Yang, who like, Throughout this entire run, like it's been go, 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 like action after action, 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 after mm. action. And the way that this book opens up is like just downtime, which I love seeing superheroes just like what they're doing on their time off. Like they're not yeah. fighting. They're, you know, they're just hanging out. They're on a date. And I don't think we've seen Shang-Chi like, you know, a little bit of his private life, a little of his love life. Like it's just, it's refreshing to kind of get some of that. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. This is a real human being, not just a fighting machine. All right, we've got issue five of She-Hulk out this week. A lot of like deep character stuff for She-Hulk and Jack of Hearts throughout all this. Um, but I want to give my Ono, oh am I having a team up award to a quiet panel in which She-Hulk and Jack clean up after a big like fight scene and the the way it's drawn, the reactions, um, and and like the lead up to that is Jack of Hearts saying they didn't seem like villains to me. They just seem like human beings in a difficult situation. 
And She-Hulk goes, that's all of us, I guess. It's a moment that I really kept thinking about after I read this issue. Next up, we have Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse number four. And this book just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And I'm here for it. Uh, but there is a version of Gwen in this book that will not survive. But I'm going to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award to the Supreme Intelligence who continues to be the pettiest person out there in all of the galaxy, but also just a fun character to have in this book. Yeah. All right, over to a galaxy far, far away because we have three Star Wars issues this week. Um, and what, the first one, we we had it on our picks of the week. It's a, Let's say it's an honorary pick of the week. Uh, mm -hmm. It got, let's be real, it got bumped for Jasmine's overwhelming exuberance for Knights of X and... That's her. That's your choice, Jazz. You chose it. It's, it's fine. I loved Star Wars number 25, but I also loved Knights of X. Um, it was a tough call. It was a very tough call. Yeah, we, we both did. We love this issue. There's four stories in it. It is all written by Charles Soule, um, and it's, it's him basically going back to various um, arcs and stories and characters that he's written in the many years that he's been doing Star Wars comics, which is wild. The eight years, um, there's a great letter in here where he talks about, you know, working on Star Wars comics. And I felt like I was waiting for a shoe to drop. Be like, well, this is it. See ya. Bye. But that's not it. It's just like it was eight years and we keep going on. And so this one, you get an Obi-Wan story, Obi-Wan and Anakin story, a Vader story, Kylo Ren. Uh, and Poe Dameron. I'm going to give my, oh no, my having a team up award to the Poe Dameron story. It's called A Eulogy for Snap. And it's a moment that I think feels very fitting for that uh, that Poe Dameron series, which was so good. It was Charles and, and our friend Phil Noto doing some really great Star Wars comics together. Yeah. So it's nice to have that. All right. Next up, we have Star Wars Darth Vader number 25. And I've really been enjoying this arc. Um, but Ryan, you know that I'm a big fan of the prequels. Like, that's what I grew up with. I grew up going to the theater to go see the prequels. And if there's one thing that excites me about the first episode, um, I don't want to say it because it's a spoiler, but I want to give my, oh no, am I having a team up award to the final page of this issue? Because when I tell you that I, I like, threw my fist in the air, I was ready. There's nothing that gets me more hyped up about this particular vehicle and competition. I love Anakin slash Darth Vader slash which I'm going to bleep out because I can't have that in there. Fair enough. It spoils it. Yeah. True, true. That was a good one. Uh, all right. Last of the Star Wars books is Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca number four. I, I'm going to give my Ono oh my having a team up award to the fact that like 70% of this issue is all spoken in uh, Shiriwook, which is the language of the Wookiee people. Uh, a lot of it is from Chewbacca. Some of it is by Black Chrysanthemum. Some of it is the two of them yelling at each other in Shiriwook. I loved it. I loved it. Here what a it. great choice. So happy. Here for it. Next up, we have Venom Lethal Protector number four. And this series has like just found a special place in my heart. Like I really have been enjoying this. Like I feel like this is like a very hearty series um, where if you're a Venom fan, you're, you're going to love it. Um, but I'm going to give my own oh no. Am I having a team up award to the opening pages where we get Venom on the set of a like talk show? And just being the most awkward, like it pretty much goes exactly how you would imagine an interview, a televised interview with Venom would go. Um, that's all I'll say. Fair enough. All right. Those are the brand new fabulous fresh floppies, but we have so much more over on Marvel Unlimited, which congratulations to us. We are now over 30,000 comics Woo! on Marvel Unlimited. Holy so moly. Uh, yeah, if you don't know, you can use code MUSAVE60 at checkout if you want a year of Marvel Unlimited for only $60. That's five bucks a month. Get up on it if you don't already have MU. But anyway, talking about that, we've got issue five of Black Panther on the service right now. Eternals number 11. So there's lots of great Eternals comics you can read if you want to get excited for the um, Axe books that are coming out now. X-Men 92, House of 92, number one, which... Is a freaking delight. We so love good. Book. We if love you read that anything, book. read that book. Yeah. So much uh, fun. That and more, including Infinity Comics. 
yeah, we have a bunch of uh, Infinity Comics coming out this week. We have X-Men Unlimited Infinity Comics number 44, uh, Avengers Unlimited Infinity number 3, Spider-Verse Unlimited Penny Parker Infinity Comic number 11, uh, Marvel's Voices Young Avengers Infinity Comic number 8, and Marvel Meow Infinity Comics number 11. We still have more comics to talk about, including our collections this week. We've got, yes, you better believe it, more omnibuses. Um, there's Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, Omnibus. Marvel's Superhero Contest of Champions Gallery Edition. That's like the nerdy stuff that my heart Really? Loves. Are you a big, you're, I you're a big fan? I, I mean, like anytime you bring random heroes into a room together and pit them up against each other, I'm there. It's the, I believe this is the 40th anniversary of that original Contest of is Champions it really? limited Whoa. series. Bill Matlow, Mark Grunewald, John Romita, Steve Englehart. What? Like, come on. Yeah. Introduce Shamrock, Sabra, and Arabian Knight, I believe. Three, like, international heroes. I'm a, I love me some Shamrock. I think she's terrific. Sabra's rad, too. I always love seeing her I show. I forgot up. all about Shamrock and just until right now. Like, you just unlocked, like, a whole thing. Nonetheless, there's so much more. We've got uh, Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne Omnibus. Lots of, ooh, a She-Hulk by Dan Slott Omnibus. Again, the Omnibuses flow like Galore. water. Just get them, y'all. Get them. All right, let's get into our reading club. Once again, who are we talking to? What are we talking about? We are talking to Torun Grumbeck about... The Mighty Thor. I didn't plan that at all, and it sounded way cooler than I intended it to be, but I'll take it. Jasmine, we have one of our favorite returning guests joining us this week on the show, Torin Grunbeck. Hello, Torin. Hello. How are you? Good. Warm. Very warm Warm. Uh, over here in New York City. It is hot, 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 but otherwise doing super terrific. I just came back from London and we got stuck on the tarmac uh, in the London heat wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I sort of just broke. I had a sort of <laughs> meltdown. And I realized like that is the one thing our Viking genes cannot take. It's the heat. Mm. Um, so that's that's a nice thing to remember. Like if the Vikings come, you just turn up the heat. We'll all die. Torin, tell us where you're calling in from. I am in Norway at the moment. Summary Norway. Ooh. What's the weather like over there? Oh, you know, it's it's cool and, and <sighs> light all the time. The sun never sets. So we have wow. the midnight sun going. It's beautiful. Wow. Uh, so we are here. We're going to be talking about, of course, some Jane Foster stuff that uh, you've been working on and plenty more. But we want to talk about Mighty Thor, the first five issues, the thunder in her veins, which that's a hell of a title. I, oh, man. So There's good. A, so I'm ready. <laughs> I'm so ready for this, guys. I prepared. <laughs> That's the Marvel Legends uh, Mjolnir that Jasmine is destroying everyone's ears with at the moment because it doesn't translate that well to podcast audio. But it's a, sorry, it's fun. we'll we'll pick it up later. But yeah, I not only did I read the required reading, I like I'm pretty much cosplayed up. Like, it's great. I'm here for it. We're talking about this first arc of Mighty Thor by writer Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. It's been a hot minute since I read this. There's so many great lines in here. And Jason just fills this with, like, things I'm like, man, that should be on a poster or on a T-shirt. It's so good. It's not even just, like the thor of it all it's like he's just so clever he has like good one-liners good like just general dialogue i I like love how fast it moves i realized when i was reading through this before the podcast that this will turn into like 
the love for Jason Aaron podcast uh, <laughs> because it is it is so clever and he does the one-liners so well obviously that was one of those things that we did a lot together when we worked together I would sit down and write all the miserable horrible things I'll send it over and be like hey do you have any funny in you and like five seconds later he would come back with the best one-liners of like the run tell us about that that working relationship like I one tell us about like your history with with Thor and like your work and the Jason Aaron of it all? Well, I began writing uh, Thor and Jane Foster in the Jane Foster Valkyrie book uh, after Al Ewing had to step down. So I was uh, I was added to the team as a co-writer with Jason, which is obviously like the, the best possible way to get into writing for Marvel because you can pretty much do whatever you want, but Jason will always be there and have your back. Um, which was fantastic. And Jane Foster was already one of my favorite characters a lot because of the book that we're talking about today. Um, and it very fast after I began writing the book, uh, it became apparent that I would say that this is one of those definitive books that made people uh, love Jane. And I, I've been thinking about why in many ways. And I, I the thing I get long, lovely letters and messages from people who like Jane Foster is one of the most important people basically in their lives. Um, and I would say it's probably because of the first four pages of this book oh. uh, where you have the um, kind of unique thing of a woman a woman character who is going through something that is usually isn't talked about basically ever in mainstream comics because it's so miserable and hard. Jason doesn't shy away from the horrors of cancer. Um, and then so, so it feels real. And I think a lot of people who either have had cancer themselves or have had people in their lives have dealt with cancer. They read those four pages and they recognized everything. Um, and I think that's one of those things that makes Jason such an amazing writer, his ability to just get into the core of a thing and explain it beautifully, poetically, and in four pages, which is a, a tiny bit annoying. But we love him. <laughs> this is something that like, I'm glad you brought up, which is as we start getting into this first issue of The Mighty Thor, we get introduced to the, like, the cancer aspect or like where, where Jane's at and like how she's dealing with cancer. And it really is something that we don't get to see a lot. Like, I mean, we, we talked a couple months ago about the death of Captain Marvel, um, which is another story that's related to cancer. But that one was such a like hyper-focused look at just cancer, like not necessarily the superheroics of it all. But this is someone who like, is diagnosed with cancer and has to deal with it throughout her like like she just became a superhero it's not even like she was a superhero and then had to deal with it it's like she has to deal with it alongside this and there are repercussions to like you know being a superhero and how that affects her cancer and vice versa i think it's one of those things that made uh just jane foster be so like the way one thing is that the fact that she had cancer but how she handled it and um mm -hmm. Uh, how mindful Jason has been throughout when he's been talking about the, her feelings around dying, um, but also how she kind of focuses her attention, which is something like when when we started working together, we were we were a little further in the continuity. She uh, she was already Valkyrie, um, but obviously that part of her history was still such an important part. Um, and whenever we referenced that, that was the thing that would make people send us messages and be like, "Hey, I, I love I love this book and I love this story." Yeah, I'm glad you guys keep referencing it back. For uh, for those who don't know, when Torin's talking about the Valkyrie version of Jane Foster that takes place after all of this. So spoilers, if you haven't read this book or like what happens next, but essentially like she dies. She dies in 705, but she, she turns into a, a Valkyrie after the War of the Realms um, because she's brought after, back by uh, Thor and Odin. Um, who kind of pulls her back by, I don't know, f thunder and anger, fury. Um, As a Thor does. 
as a Thor does, and then Jane keeps fighting. Um, and then at some point after the War of the Rounds, when she's standing with all the dead Valkyries in the morgue where she works, a tiny piece of Mjolnir turns into Undriarn, and she becomes she accepts the job as a Valkyrie. Now, preface this because you know we're talking about Mighty Thor number one, which we've already had Jane as Thor for a little while at this point. But it's it's an interesting series of events because we have Original Sin in which the storyline that Jason also wrote in which Nick Fury whispers like, Thor, your hair is gross. And so then he can't pick up the hammer anymore. And so... Uh, <laughs> no, he whispers Gore was right. <laughs> uh, he whispers Gore was right and Thor doesn't pick up the hammer. Um, he is unworthy. Then, you know, we see this character, this woman come and pick up the hammer. And there's a, I don't know, it's probably like eight, 10 months, whatever that publishing time frame was in which we have this new Thor character. And for, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there was a mystery about it. We played up that mystery and it wasn't until the final issue of the Thor series right before or kind of during Secret Wars in which we get the revelation that this new Thor was in fact Jane Foster. Right which is a huge moment. It's this beautiful series that like we've had this big fight and there's all this amazing Russell Dodderman art and, and big, big events. And, and then you have these last couple of pages where um, Thor depowers and be, you know, we see Jane and she's like fallen to the floor. It's this heartbreaking moment. And it's like, and then the tag at the end of that issue is there is only secret wars. Yes. Which is, Oh, what a kick. Oh, Torin, do you do you, did you read these stories like as they were coming out, or did you go back and read them? Well, I, I did read them when they were coming out. Uh, there was a lot of people like I'm I'm a Norwegian woman named after Thor, uh, so there were a lot of people who asked me you, before Jane became Thor, like what what did, what are your thoughts about the Lady Thor thing? So I was very excited to read it, um, and I did read it throughout, and then I reread it before I started working on the Valkyrie books. And then I keep rereading them. I just did um, the primer the, um, for the Infinity Comics for the Jane Foster one. Uh, and I was stupid enough to ask Twitter, like, what is your favorite Jane Foster Thor moment? And I just spent the entire evening just sobbing because oh. they're all so beautiful and funny. They are. And, uh, yeah, they, it, is, it is an, a magnificent run of comics, I think. But the reason that I w wanted to talk about this specifically is just those first pages where Jason so uh, mindfully describes the, the cancer that I, I really think is one of those. I think it's uh, a few unique pages of comics. And I, th I think it's really uh, one of the, the main reasons that Jane Foster has the kind of standing she has today. Even like rereading it now, it still gets me because I've had so many family members go through chemo. If you ever listen to someone describe what chemo is, like, or what, what it feels like, it it's terrifying. And it's also just, like, gut-wrenching. And, like, Jason captures that so well here. I got a message from someone telling me, like, they had cancer. And whenever they were trying to explain how they were feeling, they would just send people this issue of comics and go, just read this. This is how I am. This is how it feels. Like, I'm not surprised that Jason would be able to do that, uh, but I think it's it's one of the like if we're gonna do that thing, if we're gonna begin with four pages of like horrors in your first like in your number one, it better be good. And that's the thing he kind of does; it just delivers um, on the heart of it all. I flipped open the the complete collection that has these issues in it's um, Thor by Jason Aaron, the complete collection volume three. I just flipped open to issue 13 and that issue opens with Jane, like buzzing someone's hair. Who's also going through cancer and this other just brutal, sad moment. And so heartfelt. And, um, and then like a couple, you know, I flip open again, there's the man Gog. This story contains multitudes. Friends. Yeah, but I think that's kind of why it works too, because what happens uh, relatively fast here is that we get Jane with a hammer, we get the mighty Thor, and the joy that Jane takes in, you know, punching Loki in the face. Like, there, there is kind of that thing. I, I, I think it's got a lot of 
lot to do with the fact that a lot of women uh, recognizes a lot of themselves in Jane. They recognize kind of the the, the heart and the, the the suffering and the sacrifices. But then Jane gets the power to do the things that we want to do. And then she wields it in a way that we would want to do, which is kind of the beauty of it. The, the fact that you have one of those heroes that they, they get the power and they do the things that we wish we had the power to do. And not apologize for it. Oh, not at all. And take joy in it. But let's talk about like some of the things that this issue, this first issue introduces. Besides the power, we get like some of the first like breadcrumbs that lead to War of the Realms, which is wild to me that it comes in like this early. Well, not even just breadcrumbs. There's, you know, right after that scene with Jane, you've got a dead light elf floating in space with So Begins the War of Realms written in blood on its bare chest and it's that's like what a move it's so metal it's, it's so great <laughs> so metal um and you have the whole like the, the weather uh station thing in space where they're, they're controlling the weather and it's so fun and you can once again kind of picture jason just having a lot of fun one of the things, and we'll start moving to issue number two because I think this kind of covers it too. But one of the things we get introduced at the end of this issue is the like the council of the different the Congress realms. of realms or the Congress, Congress of worlds. Yes, and where we get like different representatives from each one of the realms, and like we get to we immediately get to know like who everybody is or like who's representing each like party from the, the different nine realms, and like uh, rereading this and like we we reread the first arc with Jason. Um, the back a couple months ago, the, the Thor God of Thunder. Arc. Yes, and reading this, it, it I was explaining to a friend of mine who wanted to get into Thor and I was, or into this run. It's like Star Wars. Like it doesn't matter which one you start with. Like you can go forwards or backwards. But like the way that Jason just like plays in this giant sandbox with all of these different characters, I forgot. Ulick was in this book. I love Ulick, and I forgot that he was in here. And I'm like, he just doesn't hold back. Like he he finds all these pieces, he moves the politics around, and like sets up all these crazy things. And like issue number two starts to show like Malekith and like what his plan is as he starts building up to War of the Realms. And the first part of, about it was the like War of the Elves and how like the fact that War of the Realms is as explosive as it is is because of all the smaller politics that kind of like set it up, you know. It's literally just domino pieces that he just sets up and he's just like, all right, ready, go. I like that you like Ulick. That's all. I, I always find it interesting when people go, oh, I love Ulick. I became a fan of Ulick when I was a kid because in the, I believe it was series one, maybe series two of the Marvel Universe trading cards, there was an Arthur Adams drawn card of Thor versus Ulick. And I was just like, that's the coolest image I've ever seen. And it's like burned in my brain. And I was like, that guy rules. See, I, I brought Ulick in to uh, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. Oh, I know. Uh, I was pumped. And I, I realized because I love Ulick as well. And I thought it was just because we have a, a, a long history with trolls in this country. We have a lot of trolls. Um, and, and we have one of those. If you walk through the Norwegian landscape, in like dusky conditions you will see them you will be like oh we, i understand why people thought they were trolls because they're all around us but it turns out after that first issue that was one of those things where people were like oh ulik i love ulik which i find fantastic rereading this there's a, a couple of parts in here we're with the congress of worlds or we're with the the sort of uh, malekith's group where we have the fire demons or whatever we're calling mm -hmm. the muspelheim creatures and when i was rereading it thinking about our conversation coming up today torn i was like i want torn to write these characters these creatures because i could see you having the most fun and probably having to be edited down a bit from just making <laughs> them so fierce and terrifying and saying the most awful things but it just i was like that's like a group that torn would really have fun with I would absolutely love it. Yeah, like there's a line in here. All gods will burn when the queen of cinders rises from her throne of fire. And it's just, they've got like the way that Russell draws them and Matthew colors them. They're just like twisted all around and terrifying. Just so fun. Yeah, and I think we, obviously we were jumping around here, but 
uh, a moment for Russell's arch and the colors, because that is like it is throughout page after page of just the most beautiful things you've ever seen. Um, and the colors, are they're, they're so clever. It's done, uh, there are consistently extremely clever colors that kind of lures your eyes directly where you want it to be. They tell an entire story in itself. Like it's, it's just so good. Yeah, one of the, I'm glad you brought up the art or like Russell's art because one of the things that I like that caught my eye this time around was like the way he positioned certain characters like I don't know like it's, it's really easy just to put like you know to make a panel where you have Jane Foster just like striking a pose and like he constantly like puts Jane in like I don't want to say difficult positions like they're just normal poses but they're just like a different angle like he's he's it's almost like when you're reading it you can see that he's trying to challenge himself to like like showcase like his work from a different angle like he's constantly like what if we do this like lower shot with of Jane Foster kind of just like tilting to the left and like you can only see part of her face and I'm just like how did you do this like this is just gorgeous yeah and it's always great movement and you never get a feeling that you've been like okay we just need a page for just beauty it's always like the yes. shot where she spits out the blood after she's fighting the thunder guard that like is, is assisting poor but like she just like takes a punch and just spits her blood like from her mouth out and it's just like such a visceral pages like hell yeah like she's so badass there's so many ways to do that panel too and like exactly the way her lip is shaped like that sense of motion that even the the two like sound effect that's in there every little piece is so well thought through and and put to use there and there's a lot of moments like that too where he because like russell does some of his own lettering too or like sound effects at least and like that's i, I can totally see that being him um, I think in the next issue, we get some from Odin uh, where he's like pounding on the ground and you can like in the cracks that he's pounding his uh, staff on, you see the word like crack. Um, and it's just so cool. I love it. I love a good sound effect and I'm so bad at writing them myself. <laughs> uh, and, and it just when, when I was writing earlier today, I was writing a sound effect for Thunder and I was like, is it rumble? Is that what we're going with? Just rumble? Rumble. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure it's. Super Spell far it away. phonetically, Jasmine. In issue two, we we you know we get a lot of Loki in here, and I think it's so fascinating to look at this Loki now, especially in the broader context of how Loki is sort of the Marvel Loki in all its many forms has come into our greater consciousness. We have Loki in the films, Loki on the original series on Disney plus we have tons of Loki comics and we, you know, we've seen Loki's character arc in all these different ways. And the, my favorite thing about rereading it here was I don't, I couldn't pinpoint where Loki, like where Loki's motivation was, which I think is is sort of perfect for what they were trying to get across. Because there's points where the way that Russell draws Loki, there's a so like a sadness and a softness to him, and this like you immediately connect to him, like oh, this is that this is the hero turn right here. And then you go two pages later and it's like, you son of a bitch, what did you do? And then you go another couple pages and like, oh, no, 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 he, that, that's right. It was a turn. It was a turn. And you go to another couple pages and you're like, I hate him so much. I need him <laughs> to die right now. Like you're on this journey, even though I've read it before. I, I think it's such a beautiful um, rendition of of Loki and, and sort of the, the power that that character has. Yeah, and then Jane, at some point in the caption, she goes, my dad always said, if a man can't even smile without making you uneasy, then it's mm -hmm. a good bet that he that the man is rotten to the core. Oh, uh, yeah. And, oh, dad, you have no idea how right you were. And what what I think is, like, when, when you have someone say that, you kind of go, oh, he's a bad guy. But it's impossible to just hate Loki after this book. You still kind of like him. That is just throughout his struggles. He, he's he got his own arc he's working through. Um, uh, but I always found the the Jane-Loki uh, relationship really special. Um, and I think she points out at some point to Loki or, or in the caption that if he knew 
that she that it was Jane Foster wielding the hammer. He wouldn't expect her to to kind of yield to him basically because um, he's been using her as a as a kind of a, a bait for Thor for so long. And that brings us to the next issue, which is one of my all-time favorites, which is like this confrontation just completely fleshed out. Um, we get a lot of those moments that you were talking about, Torin. Um, but like, you're right. Like, she's just like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you need my, like, we're, we're going to be working together. Like, do you not remember all those times you kidnapped me and tried to murder me uh, just to get at Thor? Like, hell no. And I like that because there are so many times where um, it, it's it's one of those women things. Like we we pay attention to things that I don't necessarily think men always catch uh, and, and store them somewhere because we need to protect ourselves. And I like that Jason somehow managed to to point that out in a subtle way. And that's like embodied in the first three pages of this book. Like the first two pages, we get Loki being like in issue three. We get Loki being like, all right, listen. And like he he just goes on this whole like monologue about like how they need to work together and how he like why they need each other. Da, 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 da. And then the minute you flip the page, the next panel you see is like Jane doesn't say anything for most of this monologue. But like the next thing you see is her just like uppercutting him with Mjolnir and his head just flying off into space. And it's it's perfect. Like that's exactly what you're talking about, Torin. It is perfect. And then we see that he's he's tricked her all along, or if not tricked her along, she's he's tried to trick her all along. Yes, and she's not um, falling for it. Yes, which is one of the the most enjoyable things that I've done for Marvel so far is the moments where Loki is trying to trick Jane and uh, not getting away with it. It's beautiful. Within all this, these great conversations, Jane's thoughts and, the you know, her anger, her rage, uh, all the, the chaos going on around them. We also get intercut with these really funny moments that that, show, you know, when when Jane hits Loki with Mjolnir and his head flies off, the next panel is a close up of his face and he's sighing and he's sort of like rolling his eyes a little bit. He's like, because, you know, he's. He's using his illusion powers and all this other stuff. And then there's moments where you've got he brings out other versions of himself and they're bickering with each other. They're joking. There's little japes and jabs throughout all this. It's it definitely does the thing that I think Marvel does so well is find the humor, the heroism, the horror all, all in one mix. And, you know, you can have the levity, but. You, you you don't undercut it. It just accentuates the moments where you have the, you know, the action or the drama or the sadness and they flow so seamlessly together. And you get a lot that's packed into it, too, from both character sides. Like, like you were talking about the different versions of Loki and like you, you when you see that, you see like you immediately get like a, a huge like wave of not nostalgia necessarily, but you just like are like, oh, yeah, that's right. This guy has been around for a minute and like he's taken on different versions including uh, a female version which it's like three full full pages of jane foster versus lady loki and i love it and i like that we kind of remind the audience that yeah this is not the first time we've had a female version of something uh and i do like that we're back to uh she might be a different kind of thor but she still smashes him in the face which is kind of what thor thors do smash loki in the face yeah, if there's anything we can count on, for sure, it's it's Thor smashing Loki in the face. Yep. Another thing we can count on is Odin being a total d Yeah. Because uh, that is where we end that issue and then go into issue four and just Odin is the worst. See, I, I like that we have, because I would say that in my experience with the Jane fandom, uh, they can forgive a lot of things and have a lot of problematic faves and enjoy the wider Marvel universe. But Odin, that is one thing we all come together. We just hate him. Like that guy. And I, I would jerk. say that, yeah. And and I would say it's because of the next two issues here. Definitely. I mean, he does a lot. He imprisons his own wife, and he also recruits his uh, brother, Bor to lead the Thunder Guard, which is a choice for sure. 
but also like when you have like in issue four we see the thunder guard versus like the well, they're not just the warriors three but like the warriors three and company and it's just like oh yeah like you've fallen away you've fallen off massively like away from where you're supposed to be like mm, probably shouldn't be fighting some of the best asgardian heroes like or like something should tell you like mm, if i have all these people against me maybe i'm doing something wrong but he's like no i'm always right well he is a he's a man and he is a god <laughs> <laughs> very very true also the villain of the previous fear itself uh big event that was a couple years before this so he's he's got a history of of being a turd uh there's two great moments in here that i love in that battle between um thor's friends and uh boar and the 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 thunder guard one is when sif charge says you know charge for asgard um there's just this little like i don't goblin dude in the panel and he's just like this tiny little little goblin character and I don't, I don't know off the top of my head who that character is, but again, it goes to that idea of like design and world building that they put into this and so much thought is like this little character in here, what's their story? I get so curious about that. And then on the next page, as the fight is going, you have Hildegard just picking up one of the, the Thunder Guard and she's like, Thunder Guard, huh? <sighs> Hildegard is not impressed. And she's just like, whoop, toss. Yep. <laughs> See, can we add Hildegard to the Lorelai and the Fire Demon book? Because Hildegard is, I mean, how does she do not have her own franchise at this Please. point? Please, at this point, before we move on to issue number five, like in the background, we get to see what like Malekith is up to. And this is where we start to see his like, the politics of it all and how he is like scheming his way in and how he's working with people to like essentially get to what he wants. Um, which is he tricks the light elf queen to like marry him the minute he gets married with her he like does what odin does and puts his wife in a dungeon but also takes over the elves and then we you know he, he gets help from enchantress but we've also seen him kind of talk to loki and the frost giants and so we're like okay where does that like we're waiting for that almost other shoe to drop where we're like all right They've clearly talked. Is Loki on the good side? Is he on a bad side? Like, what's he going to do? And we, we get to see what happens in issue number five. This arc in general, like, it is interesting how it just, um, it builds to a lot of other things, but it still uh, provides a very interesting and kind of meaty personal arc for Jane, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously something that I care deeply about, given that I'm, I'm writing Jane and I, I spend so much time with her in general. And I like that Jason is able to, like he mentions her father um, and, and does that in a, like, once again, in a very clever way, you get a feeling of who Jane was as a, as a child. And not only that, but it makes sense like how what choices she makes throughout her arc like you you get a feeling of who she is and why she would uh take the choice and the choice in things and the choices that she makes and obviously that is something that i i work a lot with because when you're working with superhero comics you can do basically anything but for jane it is almost always about trying to solve like godly problems in profoundly human ways here we have like we have the war of the realms beginning it is insane she has the hammer she's fighting odin it is like a very spectacular book but it is the humanity in jane as always that kind of brings it through and and makes it a believable and heartfelt book this was awesome thorin uh before we 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 wrap up though can Let's talk a little bit about your what you're working on, what you're cooking up. Any teases that you can give us? Well, as of the time of the recording, we have two issues out of Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor. Jane is sent off trying to locate Odinson, who has thrown his hammer to her uh, while Asgard is um, suffering under attack by basically everyone at this point. I am having possibly the best best time, the most fun I've ever had ever doing these things because we, we have a bunch of different baddies, but they all play a very specific role. In the next issue, it's the darkest issue so far. And I knew Ooh. what was going to happen. Yeah, it is sort of like that, but it's also like I, I wrote it the week uh, the world went to war. 
like earlier this year, you can kind of tell. Uh, I, I hope it's an interesting, fun ride for everyone. Thank you so much, Torrance. This was great. It was fantastic as always. Big thanks once again to Torin Grunbeck for coming on the show. Uh, as always, after we stopped recording, we started to talk about what else we should talk about next time she comes on the show. We already have some ideas, so expect Torin to come back. It'll be great. I can't wait. We, there's so many good ideas, and there's so many things where I'm like, yes, I want to read that. Let's do it. Um, she's so much fun to talk to about comics with. Yeah. And also, uh, what you hipped me to, Jasmine, was torrin's instagram and uh, like for, i want everybody to see torrin's oh, office space yes. and like yes. where she gets to work and the amazing art she's surrounded by she's got so many gems in there take your inspiration wherever you can get it folks mm-hmm. all right that's it for us this week again comic-con week hooray hurrah hurrah Woo! this episode of marvel's pull list was produced by ryan panagos jasmine estrada and cara mcgurk allison Jill Duboff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. And, you know, our, you know, our quote of the week was, oh no, am I having a team up? But Brad, Brad's always like, oh please, can I have a team up? Brad, Mm -hmm. we'll team up with you. We'll team up with you. We've done it for over 200 episodes. That's not a team up anymore. That's a, that's a team. We're defenders. We're podcast defenders. Not a team. I don't know how I feel about this. Gotta go. Bye. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.